0: Slash James. Netsuite.com slash James. Oh man, I cannot believe it. One of my all time favorite podcast guests has just passed away. I'm really sorry to hear this, but we had an insane podcast podcast was with coolio and this was really one of my early podcasts i did this one back in i believe 2014 and i was nervous like coolio had been my favorite rapper back in the 90s and i just loved i just loved everything he did in the podcast he described to me his writing process it was a lot more intense than i thought and it was also good training i was a beginning podcaster then and it was good training for me to kind of learn how to kind of stop when I get curious and find out what's going on. Like he mentioned some thing about having some problems and it turned out, and I stopped him, what what problems? And he's like, oh, you know, I ad- was addicted to cocaine. And I'm like, well, how do you get over an addiction to cocaine? And he describes the answer. So we, we talk about music, we talk about his process, we talk about his personal journey and ups and downs. And... I really wanted to re-release this just to show my appreciation for what a genius this person was and how grateful I am that that someone like that came on my podcast so early and I'm really sad that that he's passed away and I'm going to spend this evening listening to some of his music and and I hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: This isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Is this Coolio? What's
0: up? Coolio, this is James. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem, James. It's all good. So Coolio, here's what my show is sort of about. It's about how people transform, like amazing artists and businessmen transform their lives from one career to another career to another career. And you've done that so well over your whole life. I wanted to talk to you about that. Is that cool with you? Sure. I saw you once on um, Craig Ferguson's show, The Late Late Show, and you kind of did this funny thing. You turned the tables on him, and you asked him... um, You were almost making fun of the question, like, oh, how did you get into rapping? So I'm assuming, like, everyone asks you that, but I have to ask you that, because it's interesting to me. So, So when did you start getting into... Obviously, you're one of the best rappers in history. When did you start doing it? How old were you? Um, I think I first started when I was I was
2: about fifteen, fourteen, fifteen. Why'd you get and, into uh, it? it, it was, you know, um, I met some guys from New York. Um, I, obviously, I grew up in Compton, California. They moved across the street from me. They were from Brownsville, New York, and they had they moved in with their with their grandmother. Am I clear? Yeah, yeah, you're clear. Uh, I have to make sure because I'm driving with my hands free. You know, my little hands free thing.
0: Okay, cool. Don't have,
2: don't have an accident. Oh, <laughs> uh, I won't. My hands are, my hands are free. Okay, good. Uh, we don't want okay. you to have like a
0: driving podcast incident.
2: <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, there was this, there was, there was, you know, these, these four, like was three guys, um, DJB, Richie C., and one named West kid, and they were uh, they were from Brownsville. They moved across the street from me. And uh, the D- DJ D, his name is actually is a, uh, actually Denard Valentine, and he was amazing on turntables. I, like I, I had never seen anything like that before. So, I, I, I originally I think I wanted to be a DJ, but of course, you know I'm from <coughs> you know we grew up in a in a slightly uh, you know not quite an advantaged neighborhood. Didn't, you know, my parents couldn't afford, to buy me, uh, couldn't afford to buy me no turntables or nothing like that. So, uh, I, I used to just sit there and watch. I used to watch them do it. And there was this, then, then after about, about three, four, maybe even six months went by, another guy moved, moved to Compton. Uh, he was a Puerto Rican dude named Juan. And, um... Uh, Every girl that every girl that I like like him. That and really
0: sucks when that happens.
2: Yeah, I hate that too. So That happens so, to me all the time,
0: but I'm not as cool as you.
2: It's all good. I wasn't that cool back then though. I, 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 just, I, I don't I, think that's I, true, but go ahead. I was on the first. I, I wouldn't even call Coolio there. Yeah, but, but anyway. you know,
0: you probably still had some kind of swagger going on. Like all these guys were hanging out with you; they were letting you hang out with them.
2: Well, I mean, you know, I was from the
0: neighborhood, so so that's how I went. Anyway, take a long story short. <laughs> oh, cooly, I'm starting to lose you now. You got me? Still got me? Yeah, now I got you.
2: Okay, they, oh. made a, they made a little. They made a little uh, pause button tape. If you know what a pause button tape is that's when um, you keep pausing the music and then re-taping it until you make a beat. You know, you catch all the parts that you want on, on, on a pause and you make, it, you make yourself a, a whole instrumental.
0: Oh, that's really interesting because yeah. <laughs> now you can just use computers for all that, but you probably had to get, like, right down into the nitty-gritty of what a beat was in order to make it work.
2: well, I mean, now, it did, of course. But um, they made a little tape and every, everybody went outside after they made the tape. Except one, he stayed inside and he um, he kept rewinding his part. So he rewinded his part. I think we had, we rewinded about six times. You know, I, I looked up and he was saying, and he said to me, he said, "Hey, that's that's fly, uh, that's fly." And I told him, I said, I said, "That's all right. He said, it's, he said, "All right." He said, "You can't even walk. I said, I, "I know, I said, but." That right there, what you just did, I said I can I can write something like that in like I can write something like that in 10, 15 minutes. said do it then, and I did, and that was that was it. From that day on, uh, probably for the next ten years of my life, I wrote I wrote every day. So so uh, uh
0: so Coolio, this is really important. So for ten years. You wrote every single day. Would you write first thing in the morning? Would you write in the afternoon? What would you write? Just lyrics?
2: Yeah, whatever.
0: And did you try, were you rapping them also, or did you focus more on the writing?
2: Well, no, I, was, I was rapping them too. And, Practicing, you know, like I said, we didn't have any equipment to, to make demos or nothing, so it was just it, practice. I was, I was on my skill.
0: And so, so ten years. What year? What year did you start writing? How you were born in nineteen sixty three. So it's like nineteen seventy seven. You started writing. Uh, let me see.
2: Add that up. Let me see. Sixty three plus seven. That'll be Seventy seven, So about
0: seventy eight. Yeah. So. So I know your first two, your first single or, or or one of your first big singles is what you're gonna do uh, in nineteen eighty seven. <laughs> No, it wasn't, it
2: wasn't big.
0: It was so small. I mean, but it wasn't a big, I
2: mean, it got played, it got played on the radio. That's it. I, mean, I, don't, don't, really, I don't even think, I'm, 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 I don't even know if it sold, you know, a hundred copies. I, I have no clue. But what but um, what I'm getting at is you
0: wrote for nine years, you practiced for nine years, and you had that one first single that sold whatever, a hundred copies, played on the radio, was on the local scene in L.A., uh yeah. and then it took you another four years after that you joined uh wC and the Mad Circle, and so you were really working at it like there was no real you didn't have any you weren't making money at this time doing it, but you did it for the love of it
2: absolutely I did it because i, I it made me feel good I enjoyed it it was uh kept me out of trouble too
0: in, in what sense like what what were your friends doing? what was going on there?
2: Oh, uh, gangbanging, robbing, the silly. So, so you were doing this
0: for for nine years before you even had a single single. Like I'm assuming, uh,
2: it girls might, like it might have been longer than that. To tell you the truth. Yeah, so it so... might have been, been longer than nine years. I'm not I'm not absolutely sure. Were no, you getting was, pressure uh, to like go out in the it gang? It was longer than that because I mean, the, uh, I joined low no profile before I joined the Mass Circle, um, low, the Mass Circle came off the back of low profile. Uh, because low, low profile, profile broke up. That was DJ Aladdin and, and uh, Bell C. You know, why,
0: why do you think so many people think that they don't need to put in, like, nine years of work in order to be
2: great at something? Um, I think because people are lazy. They want, Especially the kids today, man. They want everything the easy way. And, I, you know, I was, I, like I said, I, I didn't even consider making it in rap. I mean, I, you know, people weren't getting record deals back then and stuff like that. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if that was going to happen or not. I was just doing it because I loved it. And I, I actually wanted to be a psychologist. Why'd you want to be a psychologist?
0: I was good at reading people. And, like, what? what's you know? an example? Like, well, would, how would you help your friends out and stuff? yeah I, I used to um I used to do the
2: block test on people when What's I was that? like fourteen, when I was like thirteen fourteen I started doing the block test on people and then i was um doing word, analy- word you know word analyzation. like um tell it, you know when you ask somebody the first thing that comes to their mind and then based upon what they based upon the the uh, words that they say from a series of questions that you ask them, you psychoanalyze them and, and tell them about themselves.
0: Oh, that's interesting. And did did, did people respond? Did your friends respond to that? Like, were you correct most of the time?
2: I was. I was. I was one of those children um, that I, I could read really well, and I I, I, could pretty, I was really good in school. Um, so, I mean, I was I was reading on a college level when I was twelve, thirteen years old, and, and, my, my, and comprehension, my comprehension was was I, was I had comprehension of a twelfth grader. When I was in seventh
0: grade. Well, so were, you, were your friends kind of making fun of you for this? Like I'm sure they were. They were. You were probably really different from the kids you were hanging out with.
2: Oh yeah, they used to call me old man. They used to call me old man artist. My and, name and, was Art- My real name is r t by the way. And um, you know, they would never say my name right. <laughs> you know, oh, it, was, oh, it was it was great. It was, it was they, they called me old man artist though. So.
0: That was my so, nickname. The neighborhood. So you had this, so probably this kind of understanding of people combined with writing every day allowed you to kind of make essentially make this poetry that turned into you know Fantastic Voyage, Gangsters Paris, uh, Gangsters Paradise, and all the all the songs that became huge hits. Yeah, you know,
2: it was it was it was it was my vocabulary, my comprehension. It was all of it, man. And, and I'm, I'm, any kids out there listening, or anybody out there listening that have any aspirations to be a, a, an MC, you, you better get your words up, like, get your vocabulary up. That's the only way I
0: think you really be good. And, but you know, it, it seems like it's not only that because let's take a look at at Gangster's Paradise for a second. You refer to so many different things in that one song that I think that's part of what makes it so great. Like just the first line, "As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death." Like, I don't know if you went to church as a kid, but, you know, obviously that's a a, a religious phrase. Oh,
2: yeah. Now, I mean, I, I did. I, I was, I didn't like, I'm not going to say I really I like going to church, but I, I, I was forced to, you know. My mother made me go. Now, that, was, that was what we did on Sunday. And you and know that, what? And, and
0: that you seemed know, like it was, it was part of well, your well, life. Like, all the kind of uh, gang stuff that was going on in your area, people were dying. So you really were in the valley of the shadow of death.
2: Well, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I guess at this point, fortunately, because of the way things started out, um, I grew up, I grew up in, in Los Angeles during the time when the average lifespan of a young black male was 22 years old. Well, there's even that phrase
0: in your song, I'm 23 now. Will, will I live to be 24? I don't know.
2: Yeah. And yeah, so, that's how. I mean, most a lot of it was about seventeen of us that started off all together. We played football together, basketball. We, we grew up. We knew each other's moms, and you know, we all grew up around each other. Out of that seventeen, there is, there is now four of us left, and one of one of, and one of those four is doing life in prison. No, oh actually, no. It's, it's five of us left. And one of those five is doing life in prison, and the other, the other 12, out of the other 12, eight of them lost for the age of 30. How'd they die? Drive bys, um, you know, getting shot or getting stabbed or you know, you know, stuff like that.
0: Drugs. So it, it stuff, seems stuff it's. A level. it's it's really interesting to me. Like you take songs like Fantastic Voyage as as an example. They're not the typical kind of straight out of Compton sort of song. Like you, you were your your lyrics are never violent. Even though it's clear you're from, you know, South Central LA and everything, you, you weren't like an NWA type of guy.
2: Well, I mean when I when I got a chance to when I got a chance to, to make records, um and I and I was I, you know the first thing I thought to myself, okay, I'm gonna have the opportunity to be heard by millions. Do I wanna say do I wanna say the same thing that somebody else already said? And uh, so I looked at it, I looked at it that way and I, I decided that no, that I didn't wanna do that. So um I just I took a I took a different approach. You well know, and I'm it like, was almost like
0: kind of a semi humorous approach. Like Fantastic <laughs> Voyage, the video is like it's like a like Almost like your later Juggaloo stuff. Like it's all these clowns coming out of a car in the video.
2: Actually, no, it wasn't clowns. It was just all kind of people. It was it was it was normal people coming out of the truck. That was actually, and by the way, that was that whole video, pretty much that whole video and everything about it. The whole film was mine.
0: Home, That's great. So, so, so you be, you were you were writing the lyrics. Who wrote like uh, the music?
2: My boy, Vitaly. Uh, DJ Wino, his real name is Brian Dobbs. He did my, he did like thirteen songs on my first album. Wow! And
0: then, did you work with him on Gangsters Paradise also? Yeah, he did about maybe seven on the second album. He did so, many on the third. Yeah. So, Fantastic Voyage was a hit, but then Gangsters Paradise—you didn't even realize at first how big that was gonna be. Like, how did that come about?
2: Well, Gangsters Paradise, man. I walked in the studio and I heard the track playing. LV was singing, was just uh, he was just fleshing out the hook, just getting it, you know, just getting it right. And um, I walked in the studio and I was like, I said, who, who, "Who's who's track is this?" And the producer, his, the producer's name is uh, Doug Rashid, And I said, I said, who's beat is this?" And he said, "Nobody's." Oh, he said, "Some something I'm working on." I sound just like him right now too. Because it's something I'm, something I'm working on. I said, okay. I said, well, then it's mine. <laughs> Just like that. And um, uh, the first thing I said was, as I walked through the valley, of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. I said that. I sat down. I wrote that down. And then I kept writing it. I, 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 you know what? The funny thing about Black Nights I don't think I ever, once I started writing Nights I never picked up my pen. Wow, you just like said it. I mean it was it was kind of like you know you know what's weird about Gangster Paradise I, I used to say that I wrote Gangster Paradise. But in reality, Gangster Paradise wrote me.
0: And and I mean the lyrics every step of the way are they're they're really inspirational. They're not about uh, a gangster's paradise. They're about getting out of what somebody might view as a gangster's paradise. So you can get out of the the shadow of death.
2: Well, I you know what, man? You know, I grew up, I grew up in a bad neighborhood and I, and I grew up around a lot of bad people. But I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily a bad kid, man. I, I wanted to be friends with everybody. I was a nice guy, which was not a good thing where well, I was from, uh, <clears throat> really not. You know, um, I, I, went, I went through a lot. I went through a lot because it's for being nice. Like what? I mean, I, I mean, I got, I got bullied. I got bullied, man, from from second grade to all the way to seventh grade. Man, I was a bullied child. I didn't want to fight. I wanted, I wanted to teach everybody how to read. I had aspirations of being the the next uh, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or, or something like that. That, that. Those were my aspirations in life. You know, I mean, that's,
0: that's what I started off wanting to be. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like, in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known... People. I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there, and it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/slash/host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway business summit. And I was so excited because side-by-side side with the business summit was the Norway chess summit where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours and they were, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So You want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I was just talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter and I got nonstop. Really, I was even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job. I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails, like "Hey, you're qualified for this or that." And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try zippercrew.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire so you were 22 years old when you wrote Gangster's Paradise and this really changed your life like you were you, you were a, a life changing person at that age
2: well actually actually Fantasus Woods changed my life I think more than more than Gangster's Paradise did at, at that time um now, if you if you look on some years later, of course, Gangster Paradise took me took me to a lot of places that Fantasize Voyage didn't. But Fantasy Voyage actually gave me a uh, it gave me a it gave me a taste. It gave me a gave me a glimpse of, of of what it could be. You know, well, not m- more than a glimpse, more than a glimpse. Because I, I, you know, I got got nominated for it. I never had for for that I? I got I got a Grammy nomination for uh, Fantastic Voyage. Well, Fantastic so, Voyage
0: is definitely, in my view, what put you on the map. That got, that was a video that was played everywhere. Yeah. It was a huge hit. Uh, it it probably got you into the you know they they probably you know Dangerous Minds probably picked Gangster's Paradise because of Fantastic Voyage.
2: Gangster Paradise, Fantastic Voyage got me in the door, all the way through the door, and into the next room. But but Gangster Paradise got me into the attic and the backyard and and, and on the titties court and then and, and into the pool and it solidified me um as a as somebody that you know that people are probably always remember long after i'm gone so i mean you no know, i'm i'm blessed man I, it was a blessing but it's also a curse why is that because for the, I mean, for the life of me, man, I mean, I write some, I've, I've been writing great songs since Gangster's Paradise, but, you know, people, it's almost like I only got one song to a lot of people. <laughs> like like so when, when writing, you go on tour, yeah. every single time
0: you perform, do you perform Gangster's Paradise?
2: I have to. I have to. Like people would, and man, people would be upset if I didn't. But here's well, something, here's about, something. You know,
0: you know even here's recently, i got I'm some not, great I'm songs, looking, like your song with Snoop Dogg.
2: The song was doing. I mean, it did really good. I mean, I got some work to say about that, um, in other parts of the world and Europe. But I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't. Even, I didn't even release it in the United States.
0: Oh, really? Good. It's on and YouTube, it, though. Like, you can watch it.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, people can see it. It's, it's all good. But I'm just saying, it's, it's just it's just a weird thing, you know. I mean, do you ever feel I, sad because
0: you feel like gangster walk? Everybody views gangster walk as like, I mean, gangsters paradise. As this like peak in your rap career? Well, yeah. I,
2: I mean, I'm not. It's not sad. I'm not sad about it, but it's uh, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, like I said, it's, it's a weird thing because I mean, it's like you don't know. It's like I, I never after that experience. It was like nobody wanted to give me another chance. Like nobody wanted to hear me again. Like you know, I mean, you know, people didn't. I don't know. It was weird. Like I, but my album I think was much better than. My second album, but nobody heard it, and I, well, that, but, but that wasn't my fault. Nor I think it was the people's fault. That was that was my record company's fault, which at the time was Tommy Boy, and absolutely, I think they did it on purpose. It was it was it was internal sabotage, and it was something that they did to to all the the multi-platinum groups like De La Soul and Naughty by Nature. If you if you take a look at if you take a look at Tommy Boy's history, if you take every last one of they they, they double platinum groups. Um, the, the, the the group that, that, that made them their money, they did not do well on that third album. And I think it was because of the way the contract was written. The way the contract was written, um, I'm sure everybody had the same the same language in their contract. Um if you if you if you did well on that third album, oh they oh man, you got so many you got so many points and and so much. They had to give you so much money. And I don't think they wanted to do that back then. They didn't have the, They didn't have that kind of visit. They were like, "Okay, we made enough money. It's time to move on to the next." But you and, know, and despite I, I, despite that, didn't think you, that, they did it on purpose.
0: You know, you you still had see you when you get there on the, on that next album, which was really you know that album went platinum also. Uh,
2: well, you know, I mean, still, but it, it didn't at the time though. It didn't at the time. It didn't, it didn't do well at the time. You know what I mean? At the time, I mean, I had I had eight ten singles on that on that third album.
1: Wow.
0: So let's, let's talk, let me ask you about the economics. So how many copies did Gangster's Paradise sell?
2: Gangster Paradise sold over 70 million copies. Oh I'd say gosh. when it's all said and done, it'll be, a, it'll probably be at about 30 million. And so, so I mean, I'm at about a hundred million. When it's, about... all said and done, when it's all said and done, probably by the time i by the time I'm, the time I'm um, going to see me my maker, I, I would say that Gangster Paradise will probably be at uh, hundred million.
0: Wow. And and then, and again, for each, for each sale, and you're probably still making money because of iTunes and all that, how, how much yeah, do you I make for... I still,
2: I, still, I still make money off of it. Listen, like I said, it's, it, it's a blessing and a curse. But, you know, yeah. there are those, I do, I do have some core fans that, you know, they wait to see what I'm doing next. And they listen to the stuff that I'm doing now, the stuff I did in, in previous years that a lot of, a, a lot of, you know, I'm. 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 Once again, I'm an underground artist like I used to be. I'm not a mainstream artist anymore, but I. But right. like I'm. But I'm. I'm one of the kings of the underground, though.
0: But um. So like with with iTunes, which is now like, how do you feel about the fact that basically everything moved from albums to iTunes? So now you just have to sell singles rather than albums.
2: Hey, I. I predicted that. I predicted that. 15, 17 years ago, I. I. You know, I actually said that. Um, everybody should prepare pre- prepare themselves for music to be free, because you yeah I, I looked at it like this. If somebody has a choice between paying that light bill, buying some food, or buying an album, I think they are not gonna pick the album. Right. now so, but, but,
0: but how how will artists make money? Like how will the next generation of rappers make money?
2: They're, they're gonna be like bards. They're going to be like bards and traveling musicians. Um, It's it's even like now, you know, if you want to, for an artist to even come out and sign, autographs, they're getting 20, 30, 40,000, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's all about getting money on appearances and sponsorships and, and clothing deals and, you know, stuff like that. Um, It's not really about making sales anymore. And, and, you know, I knew that was going to happen. So, you know, and hey, pretty soon it might get worse than that. People won't probably want to be paying for concerts no more. You know, once 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 it gets really bad here in the, in our country, um, people people are not going to be able to afford to pay for concerts. And you know, you never know. I mean, if, if we were if, if if this country goes under martial law, um, they won't even allow allow concerts, or they all the concerts will be sponsored by the government. So people people who have some talent to sing play an instrument, rap, or something like that, they're going to be like traveling bars. They're going to travel around and they're going to sing, rap, dance, and, and play for for food. For food and, and, and lodging like they used to do back in the day. Like they so, did in the, in, in the uh, you know, during the time when they, when they were, you know, I, I guess I could say medieval, medieval times. So,
0: Coolio, that's a pretty pessimistic view of where things are heading. Do you think there's a chance for optimism?
2: Um, I'm not very optimistic about uh, what, 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 you know, taking a look at what's going on and knowing what I know and seeing what I've seen and actually, you know, being right in the thick in the thick of some of these things. Um, I, I, I would say that things are going to get absolutely, completely, much worse before they ever get better. And who knows? Emma, definitely in my lifetime, I won't see things get better. I didn't I didn't even expect to be alive uh during during these times. The the things that are going on right now, I didn't, I didn't even expect to be here. So what
0: what you do you know, see as the next steps in kind of like the downfall of America?
2: The the the, the um fall of the dollar.
0: Ah. Uh, yeah, no.
2: The I, dollar I, the, dollars, the dollars, come on, the dollar's dropped 4% every year since 2009. Now, Coolio, why do you keep track of this stuff? Hey man, because I mean that's that's important. It's important, you know, for my it's important to, for my for me to keep track of that stuff so that I can because I have a family, I have children, and I have I have people that depend on me, man. So every every dollar counts, and every penny counts. At these that in these in these times, I'm trying to figure out a way to to give my money out of dollars. You know, that's I'm trying funny. to figure out what's the next what's the next phase. I, Gold is too expensive. Copper, precious metals are too expensive. So, I'm trying to figure out something else. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm try to figure out some type of. I'm trying to create some type of barter system or something.
0: That's interesting. So, so have you have you invested in other stuff other than precious metals or, or euros or anything?
2: Yeah, I, I, am yeah, dibbling and dabbling in a few things. You know, I got, i I'm I, you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna put it out there. I want nobody make a run on what I'm running on, <laughs> but um, you know I'm, I, I want to. My thing is what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to learn how to be self sustainable, how to live, <clears throat> how to live without the power company, how to live without without uh, the water company and the gas company and all of that. and you know how to, I'm you know, um, trying how to have a have a vehicle. Um, drive without gas, and uh, you know I'm trying to think of other things, other ways to, other ways to, 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 to live life. You know, without being dependent on, on anybody. I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to, trying to get off the grid, but I'm trying to get. I, I want to be able to get off the grid if I have to.
0: So, have you looked into like the architecture of stuff like that, or like how to build a house like
2: that? Uh, I, I don't think a house is going to be that important. You know, um, you know, some type of depending on where where I decide to, you know, where, where, where I have to move around to, um, it might be. But as long as I have as long as I have a, a vehicle, you know, I have somewhere to sleep.
0: Right. That's, you know, again, given the amazing success you've had, that's a pessimistic way to look at it. That you're basically saying you're going to try to figure out a vehicle where you could sleep in kind of a big car.
2: Uh, well, either that or, or some type of pit structure or, you know, so there's always the change you know, there's always going to be caves, And, you know, I mean, you know, there's many ways to do things. You, you know, you could dig a big pit and put a tarp over it as long as it's, as long as it's not raining or, or snowing real heavy. But um, you, know <laughs> what, you know what, Julio,
0: a lot of times I see people who are young, they get worried about money. And then after they have money, they get worried about, the end of the world and survival i i think sometimes it's not as optimistic as young people think and it's not as pessimistic as us uh, people who have you know gotten a little older think either
1: well you
2: that's because you're suffering from normalcy <laughs> you know that could be. like most people most people suffer from normalcy normalcy is normalcy is a condition that that most people have where they they don't believe that something like that could happen because it hasn't happened. And that's what you, but but you live in America, so that's why you feel that way. But if you lived in, uh, if you lived in Venezuela, you lived in, uh, if you lived in, let's say, Russia, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be thinking like that because it's already happened in those places. Also, um, also, and I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not saying, and I, I, listen, all this end of the world crap, that's crap. There's Mm -hmm. not going to be no end of the world. That's not going to happen. What it is, it's going to be the end of an age. When people, when people start talking about the end of the world, that <clears throat> they, they, you know, they, they read it wrong because if, you, if if you know if you understand the things that were written down that were passed on that for us to learn from were interpreted wrong. And when people, when people interpreted the end of the world that phrase, what they what it actually was the end of the eon, and the eon is actually the end of the age. And we already we already uh, have ended one age and into another one. We're now in the age of Aquarius. So that's what already happened. So, you know, and you know, it's funny, people... throughout,
0: your, throughout your music, there's this undertone of, you know, uh, I don't want to say kind of a religious undertone because obviously in Gangster's Paradise you start that way, but even the idea <laughs> of a fantastic voyage or see you when you get there, all of these titles suggest that you know, we're going
2: someplace, and well, well Listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to say that. I'm gonna say this. Um, I'm, not, I'm not religious at all. I don't believe in organized religion nor denomination. I think that religion is written doctrine created by men to control other men, women, and children. That's what I believe. I don't, I don't believe in religion. Right. I do believe that there's a creator. You know, I believe that there's, there's some type of God figure but I don't believe in any man-made religion because <clears throat> most of these religions aren't old enough to have, you know, most of the religions that we're taught taught to uh, take part in aren't old enough to to, to, to possibly be true because the earth, the earth is much older than that. And like I said, from the things I've studied and read, um, they, they can't possibly be true. And anybody that thinks they are is just because they, they've been brainwashed They've been watched by by society and by the system and, no. I, and i refuse i refuse to i refuse to take that route i'm i'm, I'm you know i'm a fine, i i'm one of those kind of people man i gotta find my own way even if it's the wrong way <laughs> you know i'm um, like learning by talent error and sometimes you know most of my life lessons have been hard ones
0: So it it seems like in the past 10 years you've taken, like, um, kind of a right turn. Like, I really love the, uh, you know, uh, cooking with Coolio. A lot of your reality stuff, uh, you know, it seems like you also had this very big interest in being a chef and you're expressing it, you know, in all these different reality shows.
2: I can cook, man. I really can. I have an affinity for it. You know, it's something that happened totally by accident. Um, You know, my... there was a time when I, you know, I didn't enjoy mealtime anymore. I didn't enjoy food. I ate to live. And when, because of that, you know, um, I used to eat my food like that, as if I was in prison, as if I was on a time limit. And one day my daughter said to me, she said, Daddy, why do you eat like that? And I said, eat like that? She said, you know what I'm talking about. And I said, well, and I, so I explained it to her. I said, well, I don't really enjoy the food. She said, "This food is good, though." I said, "Well, it's not good to me." And so she said, "You know what, you daddy, you might need some therapy. You might need to go see somebody and talk to somebody about that." And I like, "Shut up!" and go eat. So, but I, I it did stick in my head what she said, and I recognized that I did have some type of problem. But you know, uh, most of the time, black people don't do therapy, and I'm one of those people. So, I gave myself, I gave myself. Therapy, self therapy. I identified what my problem was and where it stemmed from. And I sat down and objectively thought about a way to fix it, which was to learn how to cook things that taste like my mother's cooking. And that way I would enjoy food again. And that's what I did. It took me, probably took me 10, 12, 10, probably took me 10 years, almost 12 years to, to figure out the way my mother used to do things. But I did, and some of the things, I do better. And through that process, I realized that I had a refined palate. So, um, yeah, it took me to a to dumb place.
0: So that's funny. Another, it, again, it took 10 years of work. Like, how many, how, were you cooking every day? Were you studying cooking every day?
2: Pretty much, yeah. I was, what's up, man? Let me get a toast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I cooked every day for, for a lot of years, and, you know, I got, I, I mean, I got stuck in my uh, chili powder phase, where everything I cooked, had to have chili powder in it, or it had to have, it had to be hot and spicy, um, I went from that to, went from that to cooking everything in the oven, everything I made was in, it was in the oven, and you know, I slow cooked all my meat, and, you know. Pretty much uh, used the same seasoning on everything. And from that, I just branched out and started, you know, I just started doing all kinds of stuff. And then, and then the you, you
0: did the online show, you know, uh, uh, Cooking with Coolio. What made you decide to do an online show like that?
2: Me and my, my business partner and my manager, uh, Jerez, we used, to, we, used to, we used to share a house. And a um, hey, Jerez, food, he was on Cooking with Coolio. Yeah, he's sitting. He actually sitting right here. That's my. He used to be my AC. He ain't my AC no more. He, he a chef in his own right now. So I I can't really call him my AC no more. But you know, I'm I'm his sous chef. He my sous chef. We you know we help each other out.
3: Cool.
2: So anyway, um, we were watching. We both were happen to be watching this uh this watching the cooking channel or, or the food network or something like that. And it was this guy on there. And he was boiling some water for something. And he was talking and he turned his head away from the pot and he grabbed the handle. Not, you know, and he didn't realize that it was, that the handle was, was not, was not non-conductive. It was conductive. And the handle was just as hot as the pot. And he burnt the hell out of his hand and he dropped the pot and he screamed. And I started cracking up. That Jerez started cracking up, but he was in another room. Now this Jerez was in another room. I was in another room. We both was watching the same thing. We both ran out of our room at the same time, met each other in the hallway, and realized that we had been watching the same thing. Oh, okay. And then so <clears throat> um, he said, he said, "Man, cooking shows are boring, man. I, man, man, Somebody need to do another type of cooking show, man." He said, then he said, "What, what if we had a cooking show?" And I said, "If we had a cooking show." it be like this. And we started pretending like we had a cooking show. So every time my kids would come over or somebody would come over, we'd bring some girls over or whatever, we would pretend like we had a cooking show. That's great. And that's how it started. And we did, we did it for fun. And then um a, a, a friend of ours came over so that just he, he just happened to uh um, just I got his foot in the door. He was a writer who had just got his foot in the door in Hollywood. And television, well, film and television, and he said he knew somebody that might be might want to give us a deal online, which was MyDamnChannel.com. and you know we we we, we went and pitched them the idea, and they were they were they jumped on it, and that that's how that's how President uh, was born.
0: Well, it's really funny because it's a different side of you. You know, people are used to seeing. The Gangsters Paradise, Coolio, and then you—it's just off the charts. The cooking with
2: Coolio—it's not your average cooking show. Well, state, state, state—you know what? State. Just speaking of speaking of that, um, you gotta just start paying attention. And you know, check my Facebook. You know, check my Instagram and my Twitter and my Vine. And we starting to do a lot more comedy type stuff. I'm 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 starting to do these uh do this this uh show called uh, Coolio's Comedy Cafe. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, we just as we, we just started it's it's it's, it's in its infancy. But I I, I promise you, you won't have to wait 10 years for me to find this one cuz I already got it down. So, so we won't, we won't are thought going. Well, go
0: Do you still every like month or six months or whatever get a check for Gangster's Paradise? Like does that still bring in money?
2: Every 4 months.
0: Every 4 months. So that'll just keep you going. No, every every,
2: you could, every quarter. Every quarter.
0: And you're touring and you're doing all this other creative stuff. When you were first starting out with the rapping, and you were writing every single day, 10 years, who were your biggest influences? Because you must have had, like, kind of mentors, either virtual
2: or actual. Melly Mel from uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, I think. That was These my, are all New York guys. Was, yeah, that was the first rapper I wanted to be like. And he used to rap like this. <clears throat> I'm Melly Mel. I'm Coolio. I mean, it was like that. <clears throat> That was my first. And then there was Curtis Blow and and Run DMC. And the first time I went to Fresh Fashion, and I, I and I had a, I had a partner I was rapping with named Spoonie C. And um, we saw we saw we saw Run DMC for the first time, and it, and it changed it changed my life. You know, I immediate, we immediately you know we were doing a, we were in a performing arts program at a radio station called KDAY back in the day, fifteen eighty K. It was on AM radio. And we um we um were in a performing arts program for them, and we performed at the we performed at senior centers and and you know performed at, at high schools and you know every once in a while you know somebody would get a would get a slot opening up for 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 a big artist you know at a at a radio one of those radio summer jam show type jam and all that type of stuff and from, you know, I immediately went, you know, I, I went and changed my, my show completely after I saw it the like my whole, my whole way of looking at hip-hop changed. In, in what way? Um, I realized that, I you know, I actually realized what actual stage presence and showmanship was, you know? I ne- I ne- I've nev- i I've never seen anybody control the stage like Ron did. Ron controlled the stage better than, Better than that. Uh, what's what's up, with from the world of songs? Man. He, uh, run, run from Run DMC controlled the stage better than Mick Jagger.
0: Really? Because Mick Jagger's known oh,
2: absolutely. for controlling absolutely. the stage. I mean, he was, he was, he was, man, people hung on his every word, like, everything he said, people just hung on his words. man. And I, I, I just, I was amazed. I was like, i want to do that. So a, what, what are I'm some gonna tips gonna be, for like the stage? That. And I, and that's that's what I aspire to be. What, what and then, um, I, and then, I, then I'm going to tell you something else that changed the way everybody, the way everybody rapped. And that was uh, Rakim, from Eric B and Rakim. Rakim was the first rapper to rap in his natural speaking voice versus rapping like this or putting some type of accent on his voice or something like that. He was the first one to do that. And... Um, it, it changed everything it changed it changed the way it changed the way we do everything
0: but you know i feel like in your like like take uh gangster's paradise as a classic example you're there's almost a little bit of singing in what you're doing
2: it's not like your well, natural voice you know, well you know i'm not what well, well, i'm good back then, back then i think um when i was rapping i tried to put a lot i tried to i wanted to be I wanted to have my own style, my own sound, so I, I I took a little bit of that old school stuff and put it back into hip hop. As I walked through the belly of the shadow of death, I put it I put a lot of inflection on my voice, you know. Right. I put a lot. I put a lot. I tried. I tried to sound like the I wanted, I wanted to sound like the things that I was saying. If you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean it sounds unlike. I mean that was just so people know. That was the number one selling song in 1995 across all genres. So you
2: beat everybody. How did that feel well, that also, year? To this day, it is the the longest number one single in Australia. Really? <laughs> yes. Why Australia? And it's the it's the it's the it's across the board around the world. It's the number one selling rap song around the world. So, Not what, in the what rappers States in the world, LA but...
0: were mentors to you?
2: Um, I mean, I, of course, I was a Q, I was a high school fan, EVE fan, you know. Um, I mean, I I I, I learned I learned a lot from Ice T. I, I got a chance to go on tour with Ice T back in the day. Ice T actually taught me. I learned what I learned from Ice T. I learned how to be how to be an artist, how to be an actual artist. It hadn't had nothing to do with performing or anything like that, but how to be an actual artist, how to do interviews and how to conduct yourself and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I, I learned that from him. What, um, what are some of the tips I, he gave you? Well, this, this was the, the main tip that, that ice gave me and the thing that I always remember him and I thank him for it to this day. He told me to, you know, when you're doing interviews, he said, don't let them, dic- don't ever let anybody dictate an interview when they're talking to you. Straight answer their question and then tell them what you want them to know. And he said, especially, and he said, if they if they start if they start, you know, getting pushy, he said, just overtalk them and, and and drown them out. He said, then if they start getting pushy, he said, don't let them talk at all. Don't even let them ask you questions. Ask yourself the questions, and then just continue, continue on, and, and 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 have your own agenda. You know, let people let people know what you want them to know, not what not what anybody asks. He said, somebody asked you a question. That you don't want to answer, just just pretend like you didn't hear it and and and, and say something completely different that has nothing to do with the question they asked you. And then you know,
0: Ice T sort of um, took rap into kind of a metal direction, and you again took rap into this more kind of melodic or lyrical direction with Gangsters Paradise. Um, so you guys sort of split off in terms of style.
2: Yeah, well, Ice, you know, Ice was. Um... Ice was trying to. Ice was trying to create something that would allow him to remain something that was that was going to last longer than the average rap career, and he did that. <laughs> he did exactly that with the body counting and everything. You know, if I, you know, and I, I, I've, I've been me, I, in the
0: now I, of doing you know kind of TV stuff. I mean, with him, with uh, you know his. CSI stuff and you with uh you know the cooking with Coolio and the reality show stuff.
2: Yeah, Ice Ice is, Ice is a true artist, man. Like I said, I learned I learned a whole lot from him. You know, he he he's a a straight original and yeah, he 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 taught he taught a lot of people a lot. of He taught a lot of people. Well,
1: you know,
2: yeah, he, he had the he had the rhyme, rhyme syndicate. He he taught all them cats. He taught dub. He taught dub C how to be an artist. I mean, I mean, just everybody... I think, I think everybody learned from IT.
0: So, So it's interesting. I think the lessons here are right every day, you got to do what you love every single day and you can't get distracted by no matter what is going on around you. And you got to learn from the people around you, like the mentors around
2: you. And you also, you got to, you know, I think you got to be... You got to be prepared to... You gotta do. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna say it like this. This this is what I say, and this is what I tell kids. If you are rapping, singing, doing any type of entertainment because you want to be rich, you want to be famous, you want to get girls or guys, whatever. If you if that's why you're doing it, then you should stop because it might not happen. If you're doing it because you love it, then continue to do it because you love it. And even if you don't make it, at least you at least you you'll be doing something that you love and and you know learn how to do other things, you know, you might, you might, you know, learn, learn the business of music and the business of, 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 of uh, other forms of entertainment. And, you know, maybe you can manage somebody in, you know, and, and, and you just rap for a, or dance or sing for a hobby. So I, I kind of call
0: that, I kind of call that the umbrella pr- approach. So if you're interested in rap, there's lots of ways you could succeed. One way is rapping. The other way is managing. The other way is being an executive or whatever.
2: It is, it is man that's, that's a whole bunch of ways to go man a lot a lot quite a few and so but well, what, you know, what's, I'm,
3: I'm what's
0: next for you are you are you gonna focus on the i mean obviously you're doing touring are you gonna focus on the comedy shows
2: well um, no i'm i'm actually i'm trying to do a a, a few things a few things right now um, i'm a, i'm gonna stay with i'm gonna stay with the stay with cooking because you know that's that's one of my passions, and you know I'm, I'm gonna keep rapping until, until I until I, I start sounding like, uh, till I don't sound good anymore, <laughs> or you know I don't have wind anymore, you know, I'm getting older. <clears throat> I'll continue continue rapping until, I, until I'm not good anymore. When when when, it start, when I start sounding like garbage, and my mind is my mind is not sharp enough. While well, I'm witty and I could come with with, with bomb lyrics. Then, then I quit. Um, but and then after, you know. In the, in the midst of that, I'm going to continue to to, to cook and create create different foods and different dishes. Um, I plan to go into frozen food someday. Um, open maybe open a restaurant or uh, you know and have maybe a couple food trucks and you know, who knows? You know, we might we might even open a a a a, a, a cooking school. Who knows?
3: Yeah, you know, I love if I get that the idea. Right, if I
2: just to right investors. Um, not only that, um we're going to do some we're going to do some comedy. We're going to do more cooking shows, we're going to do more cookbooks. Um we're going to do festivals and and all kind of stuff, man, and then we just, you know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to get trying to get back on TV. And then well, and well, also, I'm also I'm 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 trying to bring a hip hop show to the Vegas strip. What
0: well, what would you say right now? Is given the span of your career, like this is a, a thirty-five year span of your career. What's the lowest point of your career?
2: Oh, uh, man, you know I I don't even want to talk about that, cause yeah, I don't even want, I don't you know I don't want to go there. Okay, I'm, I'm, no I'm, problem. I'm, 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 well, I'm well, you know, I'm just saying I'm well, I'm well away from that that point, and I, you know, the way that the way to stay away from something is the Leave it away. <laughs> so well, I Well yeah, let me I, ask you I, th- I, in
0: a different way. Let me ask you in a different way. How did you bounce back from
2: the lowest point in your career? Um, I just took it one day at a time, bro. Yeah. And,
0: you All know, right. I'm gonna tell you the lowest
2: point in my career, I, I, I had a little stint, maybe about eight years ago, um I, I started I started dabbling playing around with, with that damn cocaine again. And um it, it almost it almost got me. It almost got me. But I was able to get away from it again. So, you know, that's 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 two strikes. I w I won't go in for a third, so I'm 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 done. I'm I'm done. I'm done, I'm done with I'm done with the drug scene and how do you get away from a bad thing. habit like that? No, yeah, you just I mean it's willpower. You know, you have to understand the only yeah, uh, there aren't many drugs that are physically addictive. There are some. I've never been hooked on any. Um cocaine, stuff like that. Those are mentally addictive drugs, and my my mind is my mind is stronger than my body. Right, you know, well, I, co- I can I, I tell I tell I tell my body and I tell my hands and my feet, and, and you know, not to not to go and buy drugs from this from this person or that person. I control myself, so you know, in my mind. I just use my mind and, and okay, I
0: don't I don't want to do that no more, so I'm not. Well, clearly that's helped you in a lot of cases, building up the rap career. Avoiding these situations, building the cooking career—you've been an incredible success. I have to tell you, I—I uh, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing to tell you, but "Gangsters Paradise" is my all-time favorite song ever. So, thank you for writing it. It's a completely different song than any other song out there, and I really yeah. appreciate you coming on my show.
2: Hey, you know what? You're, you're where you—you're where you are right now. But I bet you, if you—if you could see what I'm seeing right now. You wish you had my eyes. I'm sure. What are you seeing right now, man? You should see this bartender I'm looking at right now. Man, she's smoking like the room. The room got a little haze of smoke in it, like somebody in there smoking cigarettes. Well, She, she that hot. She that hot, bro. She that <laughs> she so hot that she so hot that she got a that is that you know somebody need to pour, put ice on everything in here.
0: That's uh. That's, see, you still got away with
2: words. Um, so, nah, I'm just telling. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm just telling the damn truth.
0: That's great, Colia. Well, you've had I'm an sure. impressive career, and and again, mm-hmm. uh, hey, thanks so much hey, for from, hey. for coming on the show. I super appreciate
2: it. Hey, she's from Hungary. <laughs> she making she making me hungry. <laughs> she look like something to eat. See, you're combining <laughs> your cooking with your wrapping. Exactly. Hey, man. You know what? Because you 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 know you. You, you you started off kind of you know I thought I thought you was gonna be obnoxious and whatnot, but you actually um you started off, off be. Yeah, no, yeah. you started off kind of goofy, but okay. then you know actually you're, you're you're quite you're quite intelligent man. Your your line of questioning, and the way you ask questions, is very uh disarming. You made me talk about stuff that I don't normally uh you know talk about. I, I let you get it in my head, man, I, without really knowing it. So kudos. Close All right, you, thank you.
0: We, we're, we're, we're mutual fans. That's great. Thanks again. Right, be cool, I, will, I will talk All to right, you yes soon, Colio.
2: Bye. Keep doing what you're doing, man.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?